0: welcome to this week's edition of dugout dish podcast i'm andy kiriakides joined by my wonderful co-host keith glasser keith how we doing great how are you we got another wonderful guest somebody i know you're good friends with and we've certainly crossed paths with so i'm gonna kick it over to you to to give the intro here Sure.
1: Tonight we have um, probably never listened, um, but a wonderful human being, a wonderful baseball coach. Um, I've known for a very long time. We actually, you and I played against him when we were in college. I, I don't think he was there early enough to recruit us um, at Lemoyne, but who knows if he even would have liked us. Um, But we're currently joined tonight by the head coach of the Oswego Lakers and I believe the Bourne Braves, two-time defending champions of the Cape Cod League, uh, Scott Lander. Scott, thanks for for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Um, If you could, before we kick this off, just give the listeners a a quick rundown of how you have ended up at Oswego.
2: Oh, man. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I... I would like to, you know, first thank. There's a lot of people, um, you know, in my circle that that got me to where I am today. Um, you know, I started as a player at at Cortland, um, you know, under the direction of Steve Owens when he was there, and then um, and Joe Brown, who's who's currently the head coach at Cortland. So he was the assistant. Um, you know, I had the privilege to play for those guys all four years. Uh, I went to three World Series as a as a player. And then once I got done in 99, you know, Steve went to LeMoyne. So it gave me the ability. Um, Joe got the head job and, and gave me the ability to start coaching right away. You know, so he got me started in it and I, I couldn't thank him more. Um I was there for a year, and then I went to junior college. I went at twenty-four. I was at Broome Community College. Uh, went to, you know, my first year at Corland, We went to the World Series as an assistant. Then I went to Broom Community College for a year. I that was um, a little different baseball than I was accustomed to. Uh, we went to the regionals that year, and then I had about enough of the junior college scene. So I went back at 24 and I didn't get paid much. So I I went back to Cortland for another year with Joe, went to another World Series. And then I went on, I figured, you know, I was done being poor. So I went and got a teaching job and went to LeMoyne with Steve for the next nine years. Um, Obviously, that's where you guys were playing for Marist, uh, the battles in the MAC. Um, And then when LeMoyne got kicked out of Division 1 and was going Division 2, Steve went to Bryant. um, And basically I stayed one more year and I went to, ended up at Oswego. So that's where I've been for the last 13 years. Um, Steve's been very, you know, instrumental, a huge mentor to me throughout my career. Uh, Now he's at Rutgers. Um, I talk to him just about every day. But, um, you know, those two guys really got me started in my profession. You know, Jamie Shevchik, who's at Keystone College, um, got me started in the Cape with Brewster in 2019. You know, so I was out there with Brewster for two years. Um, 21, we won it when I was there. And then I got the luxury of going over to Bourne for the last two years as the head coach and and we won it the last two years. So it's been a good ride in college baseball, you know, for myself. Um, but with a lot of help along the way.
1: Yeah. I think that's the one thing that everyone, at least we have a decent amount of coaches who listen to this too. Um, some we know, some we don't. Um, but that kind of, we try to illustrate from a, a coaching standpoint, just as much as we do the recruiting side of like how one interconnected this is, but how, um, <clears throat> You know it takes a decent amount of time to kind of get to where it is you want to be um
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know even if it's you know you've been at i was in you know you, the athletes can speak for themselves like you you've been
2: to what two two world series two world series um 17 and 18 Um, we were in regionals from 15 till last year um yeah. you know so a couple super regionals so it's yeah. been a good ride it's really good baseball. Um, the one thing,
1: and we will talk about this tonight too, but we always try to kind of hammer home the point of of the Division three model is not necessarily thirteenth um, grade baseball. Of like, I can just walk on and and play some baseball in the in the in Suniac at some of these schools or really at high levels of Division three. Um, it's it's really good baseball. Um, but the first question we always ask everyone is just, you know, how how do you
2: go about identifying players that you recruit? not us we go go Uh, you know i mean it's a little different for me now that i'm in the cape uh a majority of the summer so it's a little tougher you know my assistants will go out but i have a lot of connections you know i think the one good thing about division three compared to division one and two is you don't um You're not penalized for being wrong too many times. Um, you know, the unlimited roster in division, you know, division one's got 40. I don't even know what two has. Um, you know, but we can have as many as we want. So if you miss on a guy, um, you know, it's whatever, you know, it's, you know, you have time to. to, We'll take Keith Glasser, for example, like, OK, he, you're not ready to play as a freshman and sophomore, but I have the ability, you know, I see the potential and you, we get to work with that guy for two years um, before he is ready to play. I, at Division one and division two, you don't necessarily, or at, at least division one, you don't have that luxury if you got a lot of money into him. Um, you know, so I think that's that's a bonus, you know, but I. In terms of identifying players, Co- or Oswego is very, very tough um, place when it when it comes to outdoor sports. You know, everybody, it snows there. Um, you know, it's a public school. It's a, it's a very good academic school for the public system. But, I mean, we get 125 inches on average of snow a year, um, you know, and we don't have turf. So it's it's a tough sell at times. You know so we have to really i feel like if somebody's gonna if i'm interested in a guy and he's gonna come to us we go especially over some of the the opponents that i'm going against um i feel like they're going to be tough you know i really do so that's the biggest thing when i when i start to navigate through it and who's going to fit into our our culture but i think truthfully i've really succeeded on taking a raw athlete uh, maybe from a smaller school or kind of hidden a little bit but really really athletic and kind of grooming him or molding him into a a baseball player that potentially can be i was talking the other day to a coach and it's i think that's where you have to start especially at the division three level because the, the, and you, you hit it on the nose. Division three is really good baseball. Um, you know, we've had four guys transfer division one in the last two years because of the portal uh, at high levels. And I think, you know, for us this year, there's another three or four guys that could jump into the portal and be division one guys. They're across the board for us. Um, they weren't necessarily there at the beginning. You know, as a freshman, you know, they were too small or they weren't fast enough or, you know, they're lateral, it, it just for multiple reasons. And, and now they're at that point. But, you know, when somebody thinks they're going to come in and play for our team right away, um, a lot of times that's, that's a false reality. Um, you know, it's just it's tough, you know, and the the guy the older guys have been through it. Um, you know, so I, I think the first thing we do is okay, is this kid tough? Will he work and is he athletic to where we can really mold him into um what we want? Because if you go the other way and you say, Okay, um you know andy's a he's a really good baseball player but he's average speed average power you know he's not going to grow um the, you're already kind of plateaued you know so do all the athletes work out no they do not um but there's such a big you know ceiling for them to where okay if they do pan out we got a really really special player um you might lose them in today's world but um you know, that's where I think I start. And then once we get on, get them on campus, it's like, who fits into our program? Um, You know, is this a public school, private school? Is he tough? Is he going to fold? Um, You know, I, I would say I'm really hard, not really hard on him, but um I put a lot of pressure on these guys. So they have to be able to deal with it and know that you know, I'm on their side 100%, but I'm just trying to make them, you know, a better person at, you know, using baseball as a platform, a better person, but also a better play.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing, two things that you hit on, um, one, Carl, for those of you that don't know, I, I, the Carl Stefan is a legend at RPI for 34 years. Yeah, um, and and Stephan, right. <laughs> when I got into when I got into Division three, like you know, I I played Division one, I, I coached one and two before that, and I got into Division three. It was a little different for me, um, but I was immediately kind of surprised at like how how good the older guys were. And you know, Carl's big thing was always like, you know, we recruit guys that are you know by the time they're juniors and seniors, like the the goal is that they are guys that you know now in today's world can transfer and go to a Division one school. Um, you know, but kind of are that, 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 that really good college baseball player at the division three level. Um, you know, that was kind of the goal. And I think the other thing that you hit on too, and it's actually probably a teaser for this week's podcast that no one's going to hear, um, until after. But, um, Matt Hobbs last week was on talking about how like they like being able to embrace the struggle at the college baseball level for younger kids is huge. Like you, it's, you can't just skip the struggle. And become really really good at in college baseball like at some point you are going to struggle and how you respond to that and work through that it, you know will kind of define how good you know or how high your ceiling is going to be you know and i think that that's true like you know and he talked about multiple levels it's the same thing like it, it's the same thing at the division three levels it is at the division one level like you're going to struggle at stuff and how you work through that and respond is is really you know what's going to you know ultimately Determine how
2: good your experience
1: slash career is gonna be.
2: Yeah, and I think other than strength and in speed, you know, because once you jump from high school, this the strength and the speed are the biggest thing. I mean, plain and simple. You know, the game's faster, doesn't mm-hmm. matter, division three, division two, division one, but also like just the physicality of these guys. Um, you walk in the weight room in September and you you can identify our freshmen compared to the older guys hundred percent um you know and and how quickly do they bridge that gap is, is a big thing but the other thing i think is huge is the ability to handle failure and like you were you're talking about and the difficulties because these a lot of times these kids haven't really ever struggled um you know, and now and they've always been one of the best players and now they're there and and, you know, there's two guys ahead of them that are juniors and seniors. And it's like, what do I do? Um, You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing is how do they deal with the everyday struggles of school? Um, But in baseball specifically, it's it's just the mental grind of. How they can deal with that failure and and i don't think they do well at times with that especially this generation and i'm and i'm not knocking this generation because i think you know my generation as adults i think we've kind of uh, with a lot of other things but i think we've created it.
0: Well, it's a, it these kids have grown up in a different world like me and keith talk about all the time like there's a million different travel teams out there now, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, if you played on a travel team, you were automatically good. Cause there wasn't that many.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's just, it's a different environment. There's a ton of, ton of tournaments and it's become for better or for worse, but it's become a situation where a lot of kids are playing for themselves and then you get to college and it's like, Oh, I need to be a part of a team. Um, and you, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that because you have coached at all different levels and you've won at all different levels. Like those LeMoyne teams were freaking awesome. You've been, you're, you're coaching the best of the best of the best out at the Cape. But when you get to college, I think that's gets, gets lost in the conversation sometimes is that you're no longer a player on a team or you're no longer a player who's trying to get recruited. You're on a team that's trying to win. And like, for you guys, it's, it's. NCAA tournament, super regional, World Series, national title—like you have those kind of aspirations. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that as a coach in terms of getting a kid to wrap his head around? Like, hey, man, you're here for something that's bigger than you. This isn't about getting recruited anymore. This is about winning.
2: Yeah, and and that's tough. And you got to try to instill that into their brains like day one, um, because you know you go back to our generation and. You know, I was I was a small school kid uh, that played football, basketball, baseball. And and partly that's why I like the athletic kid. And I let these guys play intramurals because I'm not taking the athleticism out of them. Like, just go play. Um, You know, that's what I would want to do. But I was always outside, you know, playing basketball, pick up basketball, pick up football, stickball, wiffle ball, you, you name it but it was with the same kids all the time. I played Legion. I didn't play travel ball. They didn't have travel ball then. You know, the only showcase to go to was Wattica's in New Jersey, <laughs> um, you know? So you didn't have any of this stuff that they have today. Now, this stuff makes it, there's a double-edged sword with it, with travel ball. You know, people always ask me, well, is it good? Is it not, my, plain and simple, my kid's gonna play travel ball. Um, you know, but there's certain things that lack, like like you guys were saying. The when you go to Diamond Nation and you pitch three innings, the winning aspect of it is forgotten. You know, you're just showcasing. Right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you know your your team wins or loses. You're going back to the hotel, and you're going swimming, and you're hanging out with your dudes. And um, where when we grew up everything mattered from the spring to Legion ball or Connie Mack or whatever you played, like you were with the same guys and it mattered. Um, You know, that's just not the case today. It's, it's a different environment and different generations. So, you know, you kind of have to get them back into what we were taught early. You know, we were taught that early and they have to figure out like, okay, this is, A team and we are here to win. It's not a participation trophy anymore. Like, and like you said, our aspirations are a national championship. So it's either postseason or bust for us. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear that. And, but it is, you know, in my brain, that's, you know, I want to use baseball as a platform for these student athletes for life and teach them a lot of different lessons, but. Ultimately, I'm there to win. Um, you know, graduate guys and win. So they have to figure that part out. And it goes back to the, you know, how tough are they, the dealing with failure and, and fear and and all those things that we talk about behind closed doors.
0: I haven't been at the levels that you've been at. Like you've you've won everywhere and you've coached the highest level of division three. You've coached division one, you've coached the best players in the country out at the Cape. I'm always interested to hear about what are some of the common traits that those really good dudes have that you see across all levels? Like I, I go back to dudes like Mike Franti and mm-hmm. you know Kyle Brown and like these really good players. Like, is there a character trait? Is there something about them from a personal perspective, not a physical perspective that you see across the line? for all the good players that you've coached Andy um, play in the bigs
2: yeah the determination to be good um and be a perfectionist and just the grind on a daily basis um you know obviously now when you know i'm talking to scouts and all that stuff like how what's their motor like i mean that's the big thing and can, are they have attention to detail or they, you know, they can't focus for that long. But I, I think those are the biggest things. Um, it Just the determination. And, you know, I sh- when I went out to the Cape for the first time, it was it was a l- little nerve wracking. You know, like you say, I always won. And I've been around a Division One, you know, program for a long period of time before I was at Oswego. But it's like, we grew up where the cape is like the cape like this is the cream of the crop and he's like just coach how you would and you know it's not going to be any different and it's not um the I learned real quick that it is an 18 to 22 year old kid and out there it's 18 19 20 I mean now with the draft where it is and the portal and stuff now they're older um but when I first started, it's 18, 19, 20. I mean, most of them couldn't even go buy alcohol. So um it it's not they do the same stupid things that you know my guys do at school. And they're just in they're way more talented at that point. Um, obviously. But I think the the ones, whether you're at division three, junior college, division two, division one. The guys who are determined and, you know, really have attention to detail and what and goals of what they want to do, those are the guys that that come out of the, on the top.
0: In some ways, it seems like the obvious answer, but I think that one of the things that, you know, we've all been through it, like you watch freshmen come onto campus, and they're all good. You know, guys who are had a William & Mary, you know, guys who played with at Marist, like they're all good players, but who ends up making it? It seems like a simple thing, but it's the kids who are determined. I think there's like a certain level of toughness that comes with that because it's a different it's a different world. Like it's a different level of commitment. What you think you've done in the past, when you go in the weight room a couple of days a week and you take ground balls and you take bad practice, like that becomes the bare minimum. And then what's the separator for you? Um, and that gets lost in the sauce sometimes. And I we've you know we've had some talks with guys who are freshmen. Who call up and and check in and you know they're talking to you like man I didn't I didn't know it was going to be like this like you told me but I didn't expect it and not that it's a rude awakening but y- you're now in a room with a lot more talent and you're now in a room with some kids who've already figured it out and if you don't figure it out quick that certain level of toughness certain level of attention detail is required just to get in the mix and then if you want to be good. You got to take that to another level,
2: hundred percent. And um, you know, like you, you touched on Mike Fronte. You know, he was a trip, He went to AAA. Um, I mean, he's not even close to one of the most talented players I've ever coached. But his determination and toughness was like no other. Like that—that's what got him there. He did not want to lose. He did not want to be. He was going to play and I could take Ryan, you know, Oswego, for example, Um, you know, from Oswego, like he that's all he wanted to do. I do think there's a correlation as well, like when you're talking student athletes and, you know, these guys that they're late for class or, you know, they're fouling, they're fouling two courses that correlates to baseball as well. Um 100 percent like if i know a guy is late for class all the time you bet your ass that he is going to be late at some point for for practice or for a game or for the bus like that's who he is and unless he's you know skipping class and he's always in our facility working out which obviously we don't condone and we you know type thing but those guys there's a direct correlation you know, Ryan Enos was a 4-0 student every semester, and he was an All-American on the field that got better and better and better and then got Division One money, you know, for his last year. So um, he succeeded everywhere he went, and he even came out to the Cape, you know, after he was at ETSU and played for me and succeeded there, you know, against the some of the best young guys in the country why because he was older he's been through the grind and he just had the determination like to under like he belonged in the cape and, and that's what got him through um but i think that's 100 what is lost in the shuffle you see so many guys that are perfect game all americans coming out of high school and and and, and they fail because they just don't have those those tools um you know the mental piece of it is huge for the guys who can make it yeah, I think- if, if we talk about making it like it's obviously making it is different at each level you are but um you know when you're talking elite sec programs you know you, you're talking you had Hobbs on that like those guys are they want to be pro players i mean not pro play they want to make the big leagues um You know, not just get drafted. Where our guys, okay, can they make the jump to Division One? Can they get signed? Type thing. But you know, I think the ceiling's a little different typically. But you know, it's all the same. It all comes back correlates back to the same things like determination and the work that you put in. Um, How do you deal with failure? I, I think that's the big the biggest thing I see is mentally like there's so much more, they don't know how to handle failure. Um, they really don't. And, and that's what you gotta try to teach them.
1: I thought that was one of the biggest, one of the hardest things I think, from a coaching standpoint, when I became a head coach, you know, I, I think it's a, a little bit easier as an assistant to kind of sit in your ivory tower a little bit when you when it comes to writing lineups and, and deciding, you know, giving your input on where you think people should play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but that when become when you when you're kind of in charge of all of it, I, I thought that that was one of the hardest things trying to get guys to understand that, like, failure, one failure is OK, but two, like, how do we deal with that failure and get tougher because of it and move forward? Because I think, you know, and it, I, 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 I do think it's a little bit different, uh, you know, I don't even know if it's really a little bit different, but, you know, the high academic world, like you have kids that are, are, are super high academic, they're very smart, who have never struggled in school let alone baseball. And all of a sudden they come in as freshmen and it's like, you know, they got a 2-7 and they can't even see a path for them to get on the field. And, you know, what is that response? And I think sometimes that fall is, is critical for them to, like, you know, I became way more of a, like, constantly trying to lift them up and be like hey man like i know you can't see the forest through the trees right now but like this is like this is what you're going to have to embrace to get through this and it's going to be okay on the tail end um you know but you have kids that you know this is a stupid game you you hit 380. you know people are like damn this kid can roll the pole like i I want to do what he does you know you knock down a 38 on your science test like no one's asking you to tutor them in chem because it's like you failed You know, I I think it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around the fact of like, yo, if I fail six out of 10 times, like I'm still pretty good. But this game is way too hard. And and I think a lot of times, you know, we uh, as coaches and I think, you know, as players, you put so much pressure on yourself to be, you know, as perfect as possible, you know, and and from an offensive standpoint, it's hard to do. From a defensive standpoint, it's it's more difficult. But, you know, you have a little bit more wiggle room, I would say. You know but i i do think that in part like we had you know i digress for a second but you know our, our football coach in 2020 helped me out because i didn't have anyone to help um and he played football and baseball at davidson with coach peretti uh shout out to the davidson wildcats um and coach i but he you know he pulled the guys in after one of the games and he was like you know if you guys talk to your friends the way that you talk to yourselves like i don't know if some of you would even have any friends like the amount of you know, some of you guys with the negative self talk you have, like your college baseball players, like at the at the bare minimum, believe that you're good enough to be here. And you know, I, I thought that was you know obviously like I didn't hear it obviously because I wasn't in the dugout. He was, um, but I thought that was an interesting kind of table, You know, obviously you know kind of the fake it till you make it, whatever. You know, but I, I thought that was an interesting way to frame it. Of like you know, if you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself, like nobody would like you. You know, so like you shouldn't be shocked that you're not necessarily performing at your best because you don't even believe that you can. Um, you know, I think be trying to trying to get in front of that and teach kind of kids the way of, you know, how do you avoid that? Like, yeah, you're gonna struggle, but like, man, it's gonna be okay. Um, and that and I do think that it's it's gotten a little bit, you know, I noticed over the I coached for 16 years, like I noticed it kind of got harder and harder as I got older and stayed in it and, and did more. So
2: um I kind of digress a little bit
1: there. but I'm No,
2: it, it is. And, you know, social media, just everything today has an impact on it that, that you and I really didn't understand. Like, but, there's a lot more on their plates. You know, I, I just, you know, I don't, hopefully no one, you know, takes offense to me, like taking shots at this generation because it's not at all. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors, man. And, and they try to live up to those. And there's more and more, I, I I talked to an AD the other day and a high school AD who was one of my buddies. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm dealing with this and this and this, and it's, it's a daily and it's fine. Like my door is open to handle this. But when we, back in the day, you either you either figured it out yourself or you became a delinquent. <laughs> like yeah. There wasn't a happy medium and no one was helping you out. It was, you got girlfriend problems, you got school problem, like figure it out or you're done. Yeah. Um, and, and these guys, it's tough for these kids. Um, it really is. And
1: I think the one thing too, and Andy and I have talked about it. And I, I, you know, I, I think you probably feel the same way. Like, cause I mean, you're, you're not that much older than Andy and I but like we did like even Andy and I we didn't grow up with social media at all like Facebook came out when we were in college like Twitter came out after we were like gone like these kids have grown up with it I so, mean, like, I'm mean, so i glad you're dating great. us but you know, I, I yeah I'm, I am but like you know what I mean like it, but like we didn't like we didn't grow up with that and I think that like I think sometimes it's easy you know, to I don't want to say blame it, or, but I feel like it's low hanging fruit when sometimes like we don't take into account as I'm not saying we we are not. I'm saying we are like, I think it's like we're doing the right thing and trying to take into account all of this stuff and at least try to understand what's going on to figure this part out. I think it's very easy to be like, well, you know, it's Twitter and Instagram and they should just be off it. Like, man, they've grown up with it. Like, you're not just you're not just getting rid of that by saying you shouldn't be on it like that that
2: that that's not really going to work right like I think the biggest the easiest thing you can correlate is like for me when I'm say I'm recruiting Keith Glasser right now and you choose you know whatever you choose Cortland over us and and you text me I have a hard time with that as, as as an old school guy like but that's how these got these kids have been brought up i mean that's i just think like i don't even want to respond to this at least give me a phone call mm-hmm. and i'll say hey good you know good luck if anything changes you know give me a shout yeah. um but with a text i'm just like whatever i'm not but but that's me like that's me in my stubborn old school like knowing damn well that okay that's what we do today in communicating um you know that's just that's the big that's a big thing that's uh, like you go to coaching and how we had you you guys played did you play for chef
0: i got chef left the fall of my freshman year
2: you know so I and i played for joe at corwin and he was tough. you know like steve was tough um, that's where that's how I grew um you know my high school coaches were tough on you and I mean I was a crazy lunatic you know before I was married and had kids um you know now divorced but like I was crazy like baseball was the only thing I cared about and winning and I've had to really change with the times as every coach has to change with the times year after year after year but you know you i know that i'm gonna yell and i have to i have to get them to understand like listen i'm gonna i'm gonna be on you and it's not because i don't like you like i need you to be good you know i'll tell you i love you if I, oh, sorry 10 minutes later <laughs> um but um you know, so you you know, the point is you gotta you gotta really now find the fine line between old school and new school, so to speak. I mean, that's kind of how everybody puts it. Um, because you have to give them a lot more reassurance, you know, like I'm gonna yell at you, but when you do well, I'm gonna pat you on the back and you know, tell you that was good. Uh it has to happen. Um yeah. Hey, I, and used make, I used to make a joke out of it
1: hey like like if i yell at you like you have to understand i there's so much especially in a game setting like there's so much going on i i'm over it after those words leave my mouth like mm-hmm. and, and i think sometimes like because either they haven't been yelled and i'm the same like I, we played for and heels and i had tough coaches my whole life like I mean, heels is just on you. Like it, 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 it is what it is. And like it, but like that's, I, I was okay with that. You know, and I think that that's like, I would have to make jokes. Like I'm not like, don't go home and like not sleep because you think I'm mad at you. Like I'm going to sleep well tonight because I've completely forgotten about what I yelled at. Like not completely, but like I, I'm over it. I, I got it out. I'm done. It's good. Like we're good. And then when you do something well, I'm going to pat you on the ass and tell you, you did a great job. But, like, you know, it, like I had to kind of make jokes out of it because sometimes it's like, yo, like you guys hold on to this a little bit more than like I'm used to. Like, I need you to know, like, I'm not, I, I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to hold you out of the leg. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just, we're, we're competing for something. Like,
0: something's on the line here. I, I'm, I'm going to let you know. Yeah. And you got to be able to take coaching as a kid. Yeah, you got to be able, to, and it comes in different forms. But yeah, there's not a good coach in college baseball who explains things in a monotone way all the time. Like sometimes it has to come out with some passion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, and you have guys who do things different. And I've worked for some guys who I thought were incredible at the consistency at which they showed up. But they, everybody has their moments where it's you know it's like God damn it, like we continue to make like. And you have these conversations with guys. If you're a player, you can never take that stuff personal. And mm-hmm. you need to be willing to be coached. Like you actually need to embrace that, that yeah. if a coach has given you information, he's probably given
2: it to you for a good reason. When a coach stops talking to you, that's yeah. when you got to worry. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I we, we talked about determination and, and being a perfectionist and all that stuff and and those are the guys who really succeed but the, the guys who are real with themselves um and can look in the mirror and and don't have a false sense of reality um because there's there's too many too many guys or females you know depending on you know what sport but there's just a false sense of reality and you know it's totally different than what practice says or what the stats say and it's you know there's times where I'm just like how do you come up with that you know when you're asking me about playing time um you know and you can go we'll we'll take for instance for us you know because we're indoors for five weeks you know while I'm three for ten in my limited at bats okay but you were one for 40 in the field house um you know you're three for ten in in limited mop-up duty right now which i i never call it mop-up duty like i want them to play the game um you know we're never stopping like what we do from an offensive perspective is you're doing the same thing um You know, so if there's any coaches out there, you know, we'll quit, we'll stop bunting and we'll we'll stop stealing. But we're still taking balls in the dirt and we're still sack fly because, again, we live in a stats generation and those, you know, a sack fly matters to somebody's stats. Um, You know, a dirt ball read that that backup guys have been practicing for 10 weeks and they finally get in there um and you want them to do for your program in the future you have to give them the ability to play and try to win a position um you know so we'll quit bunting and we'll quit stealing but you know like I tell our guys like I'm watching everything and that includes everything you know you you miss 50 percent of your balls in infield practice and it's like Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't have any errors in the game, but you got about five chances. Like, what about the, you know, 25 errors that you have in practice, you know, type thing. But I just think that, you know, when you break it down from, uh, you know, all aspects of the game, I just think they, a lot of times, the the really good guys do not have a false sense of reality at all. And that goes back with dealing with, with failures and stuff, because they're not. Yeah, I think those great players look themselves in the mirror and say, "I need to do this. This is not very good." Where the the average players or below average players pacify, you know, the negatives.
0: I think I think the looking yourself in the mirror piece is huge for the development. That you have when you get on campus. But I think it's something that's missed a lot of times in the recruiting process where they don't have enough people. A lot of these kids and, and, you know, families for that matter, a lot of times what happens is that they get people that tell them everything that they want to hear. And it's not that honesty has to come and be hurtful. It doesn't, but you need an honest assessment of where you're at so you can make a good decision. So you can implement something to help with change. So, you know, from you, from a coaching perspective, If I'm a player, I want you to be honest with, hey, Andy, I need this is if you're gonna get in the lineup this year, this is what you need to do. Right. You need to be able to do these things offensively because you know, we don't see as a top of the lineup guy. So you're gonna need to be somebody who's gonna keep the line moving, you know, strike zone management. This is how you're gonna help us win. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of feedback as a player that you need in order to get better. But from a recruiting perspective, the best thing somebody can do. If they have knowledge of college baseball and how it all works and the level and how good you need to be able to play at Oswego, how good you need to be able to play at a LeMoyne, how good you need to be able to play at a Rutgers, they're all different levels. But these kids need honest information Mm -hmm. on where they fit so they can make a good decision. And I think that a lot of times that honest assessment is something that me and Keith, we, we drive home with people that we work with. It's something that we talk about all the time. Like, that's the foundation of it is that you need to have an understanding of where you are right now mm-hmm. so that you can either get to where you want to go or you can make a good decision in what you have in front of you. And I don't think it's any difference when you get on mm. campus. Like you need to be able to look in the mirror and be like, I'm not as good as that starting shortstop and I want to be the starting shortstop. Well, what the hell do I need to do to get there?
2: Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a hundred percent correct. I mean, you know, I, it, for like for these guys, I think you know. So we sent out a thing today to our players for the whole fall, or, you know, the fall semester. And I got to meet with them on Thursday, Friday, um, in their ex, you know, their fall exit meetings. And it's like the biggest thing I'm starting with is what is your identity to this team, you know, and, and how do you view yourself. And then I'm going to tell you how I view it, um, but you really have to know who you are. And when you're talking about our program, like my program's not going to, my program's not going to change for Keith Glasser or Andy Kiriakis. Like my program's going to change year to year, but I'm not tailoring it to you guys just because you're you're tailoring to what I want, or you're going to be gone. Um, plain and simple. Like you aren't, like you said earlier, you're not bigger than the team. Um, And this kind of philosophy and this motto and mantra has worked for us. And these are my beliefs. So if you want to do that your way, which a lot of guys can't figure out real quick, um, you know, then you're going to have to go somewhere else. And I
0: don't, I don't know if it's that different anywhere else. Like every coach Mm -hmm. has a philosophy. Every coach has a culture. Some are stronger than others, right? And they're going to be different. But at the end of the day, it's the player's responsibility to step up to the plate and do what's needed Mm -hmm. to get on the field. It's not the coach's responsibility to have them fit in. Like, yeah, obviously you want your kids to assimilate into the program and you want them to be a part of the culture. But at the end of the day, the kid has to take ownership of stepping up and doing what's expected of him because I've never been a part of a program and I've never known and I've never known a coach and obviously me and Keith did this for a long time that didn't have standards that were really clear-cut mm-hmm. like and some of them are super simple like be on time wear the right uniform play hard mm-hmm. every day those are if you do those three things you're going to be all right some of it are that simple some are a little bit more nuanced but At the end of the day, the kid, he has to take responsibility. The player has to take some responsibility. He takes some ownership over, well, I need to fit into Coach Lander's program because I want to be a part of this. And Mm -hmm. the kids who fight that, they have a tough time.
2: They do. And, you know, for the other – I kind of break – as I evaluate everything, I feel like, you know, everybody has a culture to some – to some, some extent and you know I think going back to like how do you how have you won you ask me like how do you or people ask me how do you win in Oswego how do you win at Born? or like a, a lot of different places and here's what I've learned there's a lot of guys out there that can recruit uh, and sit in our my position and, and sell ice to an Eskimo um, and be the used car salesman those teams are pretty good. You know, they can be pretty good you, you recruit you know 20 good guys and you, you can be pretty good but you're not going to be really good you got to the second piece of that is you got to have a, a head coach and a staff in place that is going to develop these guys once they get there um then you're really good but then the last piece you're still not going to win at the end of the season Right. The last piece of that is you have to have a a strong locked in culture. Um, those are the teams that win far into the postseason. You know, those you can recruit the guys and you can get them good, and you're gonna be, you know, there's kind of steps to that, but you gotta have the if you have the clicks, um, you know, and you kind of have a suitcase college. For what, you know, if it's transfer central, like you could be really good. I just don't believe you can win totally at the end. Can you have transfers? Yeah, 100%. And you have to have them in today's day and age, but they kind of have to be the band aids around, you know, and then they have to come in and fit in. You can't have 30 of them and then think you're going to just establish a culture in 365 days and you're going to go win a national champion. You're not going to do it. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, so I, those are the, those are the three things that when I'm coaching, I look at, um, you know, and, and I feel like we have all three of those. We didn't, we weren't as successful last year, you know, and, and to me, it's a, it was a bust. Um, but that's on me, you know, like it, it's fully on me, you know, that I just did not create you know we lost so many guys and we lost those leaders that we had for so long um that just went from you know the 2015 season when they got and then they just gave it to the next guy next guy COVID really kind of screwed that up um you know and these guys got two years back and and so they were the staple of my team and I didn't I didn't have to teach these guys after COVID. Like they just, they knew it already. They knew exactly what I expected. They knew what I expected in the weight room, so on and so forth. On the field, how I wanted them to play. And then we lost all those guys, you know, and then the new, you know, the guys that were sitting behind them, even though they were there, they didn't have an identity. And I didn't create it quick enough or at all, really. I mean, for the most part, you know, I kind of let off the gas and kept it off, you know, and that's where I learned like, okay, I, I, I failed. Were we bad? I mean, come on, we were still in the SUNYAC tournament, but it wasn't up to our standards. And, and that's on me. Like it, it starts with me. I failed that right there. But again, that's me looking in the mirror. Like I didn't I just didn't do a good job of re you know, assessing what we needed to do from a coaching standpoint and it kind of trickled down.
1: Yeah, I think that I mean we
2: <clears throat> talked about it a little while ago. I don't even know if it's gonna be spliced in there or not, but
1: I you know when you can when you as the head coach or you as the assistant coach can kind of take that ownership, you know, it does a lot more in your program than I think you kind of realize until you start doing it, um, you know, when you can legitimately stand in front of your team, be like, Hey man, I, that one's on me. Like, you know, there, there was a game. I distinctly remember I got someone, I I got the winning run thrown out at third with nobody out coaching third is the head coach. Like and we lost the game that, you know, but to like, it, it did more for me to tell my guys like, yo, that I screwed that one up. Sorry. Like I, that, that one, like I made a mistake. I'm sorry. You know, and I, 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 there was not that it was an instant change, but you saw that people were a lot more willing to be like, "All right, I screwed up there." Like, no, it was like we didn't necessarily get rid of the my bad, but we, yeah. you know, it was more like, "Hey, like that one, I got you." Like, okay, um, you know, but I, 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 think it's the same thing. Like when you you say the you have the conversations about you know, I've made all my plays in the field. Well, yeah, I've watched you make thirty errors in practice, like that. I think it's an important thing to to, to to reiterate to people who are going through this process and, and want to play baseball in college. Like you are literally a, like, you have to compete every day, whether it's on the field, in the weight room, wherever, but like you're being evaluated every time you go play baseball, whether it's a practice, whether it's in group stuff, whether it's in a game, whatever it is, like you're being evaluated. And if I'm watching two shortstops, And we're hitting fungos and doing all this stuff. And one of them makes the play 99 times out of 100. And the other one makes it 80 times out of 100. Like, it doesn't matter. The dude who makes it 90 times out of 100 is going to be in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Like you might get in there in, in late games and make the plays. But until you are now 93, 94, 95, 96 times in practice, like, there's a huge gap there in my mind. Because I'm evaluating you every day. And I think that that's... Like, that's the other piece, I think, with younger kids and, and young, like, freshmen, when they get into college, realizing, like, I have, like, every rep actually does matter. I can't necessarily take those off. And I think when people start to really, when kids really start to grasp that concept, like, you can start seeing that jump from he could be good to he's on his way to being good. It's that, it's not that he could be.
2: We're working towards it now because he's taking every rep seriously. Yeah, and, you know, for me, and this is for, you know, whoever out there, the, the kids, student athletes, you know, we got more days this year to use um, in Division Three baseball. And I elected to keep a bunch of them for now. Um, it just kind of fell that way because I wanted to shut down the pitchers and then ramp them back up and yada, yada, yada. But I've had the ability to work with them the last two weeks okay and you know now we have final we got to be done by Wednesday this week but for these young guys number it's it's given me the ability to watch them in the fall in our normal setting then it's it's let me kind of watch them integrate themselves into okay well they're at lift all the time they're they're doing this they're doing that they're or vice versa like i never see this kid in here or in you know what i mean like what are they doing when i'm not looking right and and the gas pedal's not down on them and then okay now some of our freshmen are 15 pounds heavier or you know stronger and Or they know a little more and they're going through their throwing programs and stuff. So now, okay, we're working on stuff that when we get back. But come Thursday, Friday, I have a little bit, I have a little different talk with them comparatively to if I was going to talk to them in, you know, October 15th. When, you know, if we're traditionally done with the fall and I have the end of the year, now it gives me a whole semester to kind of like evaluate these kids. Okay, well, guess what, Keith? You don't go to class? Sorry. Right, right. You know, I I have a little better knowledge of what your grades are going to be now than I did in October. You um, You know, how important is this to you? And you're kind of showing, you've showed me for, you know, a lot more weeks and just, you know, the new guys through a five-week span or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had a kid, one of the favorite kids I ever coached. And I probably should have dumped him 20 times in his career. Um, but he, I left him at home for Florida because he knocked down like a 1-6 the previous fall, in, in the fall semester that was my rule, like if, you know, academically, if you're not doing well, like you're, you don't get to go to Florida and play. Mm-hmm. And he probably, he had a, he had a shot to, to really play. And I, we ran out of freshmen and that kid ended up hitting like 350 for the year and never looked back. And it, it's just kind of one of those things like, that I think like it's important to at least acknowledge to, to people like the, the the student aspect of stuff does actually matter in college like you you can't just no show class and you can't just you know and to your point like guys who do well in class generally it tells you more about what they're going to do baseball wise and you know there there is a correlation there and i think that that's you know you can't just no show class and and not really care and think that you're just going to show up and play
2: baseball all the time um, yeah and, and i think i mean i wasn't the greatest student um it was i you know but i think I've been around a lot of people that have figured out how to play college, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. play college that way and, and get good grades, but yet they're still doing, but to me, you have figured out that's what you have to do in life too. I mean, you know, it's the guys who don't want to go to class, and, and they're so ignorant, like, oh, yeah. And then they get a 2-1 and I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not doing this with you. If you got a 3-2, 3-3, 3-4, like, okay. All right. But I'm not doing it when I got to worry about you being eligible, uh, you know, or got to put you in study hall or, or find you tutors or, you know, I'm just not doing it. um, Because you're kind of tearing down the the program in that capacity, but I I do think it is correlated. This is one gripe I have
0: with division three is that it might take me a second to get to my point here, but you got, you're significantly limited with how much face time you get to have with those kids. Mm -hmm. And the whole guise at which division three does it is that it's, it's the student athlete experience but i think what it actually does if you really were invested in the student athlete structure for many of these kids is what provides them the foundation to be good and having i'm not saying you need to have 40 hours of baseball time i don't think that that's realistic but you could go from you know division 1s with 20 hours a week for however many weeks and then they can have supervised lifts and the coaches can be around those kids have a much better chance of being successful because not because you have your thumb on them all the time but you see a kid every day and you mm-hmm. can look a kid in the face and you can look at at jimmy smith and be like i gotta talk to that kid because the last mm-hmm. couple times i've seen him in here i didn't have the energy that he usually has maybe i need to check in with him like you get an idea of how things are going and my personal experience haven't been in it for 10 years is During the season is when kids are usually the better students because the structure is so tight. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to mess around because you've got practice from, you got to be in the training room at one to get ready for practice. and Then you practice from two to four, and then you're in the training room after. Then you're getting your extra work. Then you're going to study hall, whatever it is, and that structure is actually beneficial. So I like how you extended it out where you use those two weeks at the back end because it gave you a longer window to have some visibility into what these kids are doing. So now you have a better feel for them as a coach, but now you also have more information to give these kids in order to help them be successful in the future.
2: Yeah. And and I look at it differently um as well with division three. Like I, I totally agree with the student athlete experience. I the student athlete experience should be Division one, two, and three. I I don't. I don't know why it's just a division three model, but you know, like for my guys, I I 100% agree. The more they're with me, and the more structure they have, the less negative activities they're doing. Not saying they're getting rid of all of them, but there's less. Hundred percent. You know. The other thing I have where I look at it differently is okay, my athletes are there to play baseball. They're there to get a good education for a very affordable price and to play baseball and hopefully win a national championship. Not for a fraternity or for, I mean, I'm the one that recruited them there to play baseball. They want to play baseball. And My biggest thing is just like if they go to Vanderbilt, they want to play baseball at Vanderbilt, but they're not at. I feel like at times, and the the NCAA is getting way better at this because now they're giving us more time, and and, you know the strength and conditioning. A a lot of times, money has to deal with do with it, but the I feel like you're penalizing. The division three athlete because they're not good enough in our world to get a 50 percent scholarship or because let's face it if if i'm just going to use a guy on my team right now if we'll say jake daniluk you know or jake sanders or jacob levine if they're if they're just all of a sudden offered 50 percent from vanderbilt or they're going they, there's not even a question you know if they're offered a roster spot or 25 percent nil money like you're if they're gonna get a full scholarship at a division two school they're probably going like maybe i don't know but i'm just saying like we they're that we're, i feel like we're penalizing them because they're just not good enough athletes. And Division Three said, well, they're there for the holistic and the Division Three experience. And and I'm like, okay, that might be true. That's good. I mean, I don't really understand it as much as maybe some people do. I mean, we. I'm a total believer in the community service and, you know, obviously going to class and getting good grades and all that. But what else is there? I don't know you know like i i want to be out in the you know we do team impact and we we have a little guy cameron who we just did his signing day and, and like we're, we're out in the community and and doing all this stuff we're very visible like what else is part of that playing intramural? i let my guys play intramurals like that's fine they're being athletes but like give them the t- give me the structure or let me have the time that's and I feel like just don't penalize those those kids because they're not good enough to get a scholarship. Hopefully that makes sense. And I'm not, you know, like that's where well, I think it, does. Is-
0: it, it makes total sense. Like you got a bunch of kids who went to Oswego or name whatever other Division three school, and a big reason they're there is to play baseball. And you, and not you, the you know the rules say that you don't get as much time to play baseball with your coach as everybody else does because you don't have an athletic scholarship associated with your school. And that's essentially what it is, is that, mm-hmm. you know, you guys weren't, you weren't quite good enough out of high school to get an offer from U Albany and you went to Oswego and now you get to play less baseball because of it. And it's like, that's a big reason why those kids went there. Like a a lot of those kids probably don't go to Oswego if you don't recruit them, right? That's just the reality. Zero of them. Yeah. So you've baseball is the mechanism which got them there and now they have stronger constraints around how much time they get to spend with the guy who is the reason that they're there. Yeah. I mean, it it makes complete sense to me. And it was always, like I said, I'm not saying it should be unlimited in the reason that they have the the hour structure at the division one level is just it's to try to level the playing field because Mm -hmm. some schools are at such a big advantage with facilities and weather like it makes 100% sense but you could use that same model and not deviate from student athlete
2: yeah and you know I I just think like we say that our motto is the student athlete experience that should be the motto for all divisions division one two and three Right. Like it's all about I mean, at the end of the day, I don't have a job without student athletes. Nobody else. You know, Nick Saban doesn't have without student athletes like it should be the student athlete experience at all levels. You know, and I'm not saying baseball at Oswego is bigger than the school or Division three. Not like I'm just like I feel like good programs those student athletes whether it's baseball or uh, it could be volleyball uh, they want to play that sport you know how many hours my guys are in there like unsupervised and I'm not saying unsupervised like from the school perspective but like me not like doing the wrong things or, you know, think about the toll that that has on a pitcher. Like when they're doing throwing programs and we don't have the ability to watch them do it. Like they're just, and we have all this technology, you know, like they're going to do it. That's my point. Like, why would you take that away from us to, to be there with them? Yeah, I hated that. I'm Just flat out.
1: I, I mean, it's you you that especially I, I, I think even more so at the Division three level, like they're at your school, A, because you recruited them, but B, like they want to play the sport it is that they're playing. Whether it's, ba- I mean, it's baseball here because this is what we talk about, but it, what, I mean, the kids at Oswego playing hoops are there because they were recruited to play hoops at Oswego. Like they want to go there and they want to be in an open gym. They want to like. Allow the coaches to do a little bit more with them so that their, their experience and how many times you sit in, in staff meetings and talk about the student athlete experience. Like, I bet you can enrich it if you let us, you know, structure it and be around them a little bit more, you know, and I, I think that that's, you know, that, that, that right there is why I think. There, there's a the myth around the idea that division three is just kind of like 13th grade and, and anybody can go play and just walk on. And it is what it is. Like it's a little unstructured because there hasn't, like there is not a lot of, not that there isn't structure. I'm not saying that, but like it's, it's a lot less than division one and two. So I think people view it through that lens of like, well, I mean, it's not one and two, so I, I can probably play. And then, you know, they get pissed okay. when they show up and they try out and it's like, like you can't play Division Three baseball. Like, you got to be good, and, and that's you know they 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 can't kind of wrap their head around that.
2: And I I think it's just the there's such a big discrepancy between the bottom and the top in Division Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many schools. Yep. I mean, you know, and so the the despair. It's crazy. You know, you look at. Some schools in New York and it's like, okay, these are top level schools and these these are the bottom feeders. Like, what do they really do at those schools? I don't know. Right. I just feel like, you know, when you're when you're using sports as a platform for these student athletes. You you need to let them let us use it, you know, to the fullest extent, because. At the end of the day you know when you go out and get a business job they want athletes mm-hmm. they want athletes and you go, you know and you go to be an accountant or you know business administrator market they want they know that how to they know teamwork they know dedication they know being on time like they that they have all those traits leadership so i i don't know i it's just I agree with the the model a little bit I just don't necessarily agree with it just at the division three level and how they kind of strap strap you a little
1: yeah um no I, I couldn't agree more I I felt the same way for the 10 years that I was there um the you know I, I we don't want to take up too much of your time here but we appreciate everything you've done what What advice would you give a family or a kid who's going through the recruiting process right now um, to try to find the right fit for them athletically and academically?
2: Um, You know, first, I would say you really have to sit back and for the the parents, I would say it's the kid's decision um, with you educating them and helping them out but ultimately it's their decision and they got to go by their gut um again you gotta you gotta understand and look yourself in the mirror and be real with yourself um and where you're at at that time that doesn't mean you're always going to be at that point um especially with the transfer portal today you know I know but I to me I truly think a one a two and a three next to your name or next to the school it doesn't make a difference in anything. Um, you know, I, I feel like you have to, when you sit down and you say, what is important to me? Cause I can sit here and say, you know what, Keith, you're my recruit X, Y, and Z. But what I say isn't always, well, it's not right or wrong. It's, but you have to go with, as a student athlete and a recruitable athlete, you have to go with what is important to you. Do I look myself in the mirror and say, okay, I'm I'm not quite good enough to be at Oswego yet, but if I get this chance, I'm going to make it happen. And I don't know if I'm going to sit for a year. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to sit for two years. I don't know if I'm going to start when I go in there right away. Um, but I'm willing to take that back and I'm going to do that. Or, you know, I'm just going to go to this school because I know I'm going to play right away, but I might not necessarily win. I, 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 there's no right or wrong answer. It's just whatever's important to you and making the decision. Um, you know, but i that's the biggest thing. You know, you really got to figure that out and just go with, with your gut. The one, two, and three does, you know, I always say your experience at that institution is go- what's going to create, you know, it's either going to be good or bad. You know, I went to Cortland, you guys went to Marist. Um, You know, out of high school, I got recruited by some division ones, division twos, and division three. And ultimately, I went to school because of, Steve Owens I went to Cortland because of Steve Owens nothing else you know and I try to educate my recruits on that like I made a great choice I would never change it for the world um I I wouldn't take any of the division one offer like that's I had an awesome experience um but I didn't go there for the education like I, that just fell in my lap you know I got lucky I just went there because of the coach. I kind of tell these guys, you know, the experience is what's going to make it for you. And winning obviously helps. Um, but I say, you know, you, can, you have to go to a school that academically fits. That's where you first and foremost have to start, you know, is what the money I'm going to put in, return on investment, you know, like what's the education going to be? What am I getting out of it? It has my major. I don't have to go, you know, Tommy Boy, eight years to go to school, um, <laughs> type thing. You know, uh, it's and then it's really like in glass. You'll know this because it's the coach and the players, mm-hmm. because ultimately that's who you're around for four years or mm-hmm. five years, and you know, you I could have went to. Courtland and and been like, okay, I, I'm going there strictly because of Steve Owens. And then if they didn't have my major, I mean, I kind of narrowed it down with the schools, but I didn't, I, at that point, I really didn't care. I I was a 17-year-old, you know, no, nothing yeah. other than I wanted to go play baseball. Yeah. Um, it, it might not have had my major. You know, I, I wasn't paying... A, a lot of money to go to the state school. So I went into phys ed at the start and then I got out of it, but cause I was like, Oh, well, whatever. I'll just go into phys ed. Like they're Corlin's good at phys ed. And ultimately I was a teacher, but not in phys ed, but I could have went there and been like those players. I don't fit. I'm going to go there because of Steve Owens. And then the players I don't get along with, you know, it's like private school, public school. I, I have different, you know, say you're at RPI. My my student athletes are different than yours. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it is what it is. Um, you know, so if you don't fit into the, those three things, then that's probably not a good, good fit. You know, you got to look at all those things. And I would say the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, if you feel it in your gut, take it. You know, I equate it to, to us as coaches and, you know, when you're coaching, you see the guys that are out there, you know, and they're at every single showcase, every single one, and they got a thousand notes and they're like, Andy Kirikiti's pretty good. You know, I, we might want to offer this kid or we, you know, we'll, we'll see Keith Glasser, same thing, but then they don't pull the trigger on you too. Uh, well, there's a there's a showcase next week and then there's another showcase. And then you have all these guys and then Andy Karakides is gone and Keith Glasser has gone. And now you're stuck because you're indecisive. And instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to go after Keith Glasser. I'm going to commit him and then I'm going to make him better and I'm going to live with that. You know, Um and I think that's where a lot of coaches get in the in the trouble. You know, where they, the grass, you think it's, great. I'm, I'm going to miss out on this guy. No. Well, no, <laughs> don't miss out on the first guy. Yep. And then my philosophy is, if the next guy is good, just go get him too. Figure it <laughs> out. <laughs> well,
0: it's, it's interesting because, and I learned this a little bit later in my coaching career, but if you want to find a flaw with somebody, and this goes for schools, right? When you're going through the process, if you want to find a reason to not like somebody, it's easy. 100%. It's easy. And if I was going to give a piece of advice to a young coach is that if you start with the things a kid can't do, you need to reverse field and start thinking about what can a kid do that helps me win? What can I improve and what are his deficiencies? Because at the end of the day, unless you're coaching at Arkansas or Wake Forest or what you're getting kids that got flaws. So mm-hmm. y- you're not getting the sick. You're not getting the, you know, if you're a Maris, you're not getting the six foot three, 210 pound center fielder who runs six, five hits for power and average. Like something's wrong with that kid uh, from a baseball perspective and you kind of got to live with it. So like y- you got to have some conviction of what you're looking with. And you're not, to high school kids who are going through this process, you're not going to find the perfect school. No. And if you can always nitpick at something, well, mm-hmm. that's a little bit far from home, or the school is not as big as I'd want it to be. You need to you need to focus on the things that are really impactful in your life, the mm-hmm. people that you're going to be around, coaching staff, the culture within that program, because you're going to need to figure out how to be a part of that. And are you going to get the degree that you're looking for? Not necessarily in that order, mm-hmm. but yep. for high school players, like I, I think that's a really huge piece of the puzzle. Is that. If you have a feeling like that's the right place, it probably is. Probably is.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's – you take Steve Owens, for example, and, you know, and this is how I used baseball at Cortland. Like, he was my coach when I was there. And we didn't always see eye to eye. Um, You know, he, he was tough. And then he went from my coach and I went and coached with him for nine years and he was my mentor and for a long period of time. Now, you know, I coach some of his guys and, and hopefully I'll be able to, you know, coach with him again, but now we're best friends. You know, it went from me as his player to a mentor, to now a best friend, you know, and I just I kind of use that because that's how that's how I've used baseball and relationships and those experiences to help me out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's not the it's it's not the case for everybody. But I mean, you know, heels and I never saw I, like we didn't see eye to eye all the time. But, you know, when I got into coaching and and he was still in coaching, even when he we got out. Like I would lean on him and and ask him questions about stuff. And, you know, he was a mentor of mine. And I like, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. Like I didn't have the choice to go play for him because he was, I was already there when he showed up. But like, you know, we had a phenomenal, like he helped me get my first job. He helped me get my second job. Like he's helped me uh, too many times that I like, that I'm not gonna be able to give back to him. But like, I'm grateful for that. Like I'm not sitting in this position without him. And I'm, you know, I'm super grateful for that experience, but for that relationship, and it, it doesn't happen without baseball. How many? So to heels, how many young? I know you're not, but thanks, heels. <laughs> how many young coaches listen to
2: this? I, I, I mean, I have a decent amount who text me that they, um, you know, I would say to them, and, and this is, you know, this is one trait. I, I got a very type A personality at times, especially when I'm coaching, but um you know i i would sit back when, with coach o and you know he would ask me a question you know what what do you want he would always ask me the lineup i would we would always write it down and then it would be different you know come game time tomorrow or you know you want to take this guy out or you want to leave him in uh what's leave him in and 20 seconds later he's on the field taking him out and I'd be like, why in the hell are you even asking me? (laughs) Um, But, you know, to those young coaches out there, I do the same thing now. And because, number one, I value your opinions. It makes me think through my decisions, especially at night, like when you're talking lineup. It has nothing to do with, you know, Keith Glasser puts these nine out there and I'm just going to switch it because i can um but you know even in the cape you know i, I talked to salty salty He's He's like why are you even asking me the lineup you're just going to change it because i value it and respect it um and it helps me come to the conclusion that i want to come to you know all the time and kind of think everything through so you know i think to you to a young coach like don't I would take that as a compliment and in learning from a head coach, because ultimately, you know, number one, they're trying to groom you, but number two, they're, they're valuing your opinion, whether you, you, you look at it the other way, but that's not so, if they didn't care about your opinion, they would never ask. Yep.
1: I thought, you know, we had Rossi on and we've had a bunch of people who coached with him. You know, it's, it's a very similar experience. Right. And I, I think, you know, and I I was I played against Coach Owens and I know him a little bit, not nearly as well as you do, like, but I think some of the guys and I, I think Coach Owens is one of the best coaches in college baseball, hands down, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I think that those guys that are, are really, really good at their jobs and they do a really good job of of being able to coach the coaches just as much as they do their kids. Yeah, and I think I I think it takes a, a special kind of coach to be able to do that, and and I think we you know when you're in this as long as you are and as long as long as you were and Andy and I like you try to do that to the guys that you know, I try to do with my assistants, but like you know I, I think it, it it takes time to be able to understand that and do that, but like to your point, like it's. It, the, the, it, it, it's kind of like the kids. Like if you stop talking to them, you're not necessarily like you, it's not, you, you know, you're not giving up on your assistance, but you don't really follow, you're not really working with their opinions anymore. Like you, you, you want to work through that stuff because the easy, the more that you can talk it through, the more it, you know, you, you, it works better. But I think those guys that are really, really good, that really separates themselves are the guys that can get their assistance better. And I think that that's I, like, those are the guys that I, I think are awesome in this game.
2: Yeah, and I the other thing I would say to a young coach is don't be a yes man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like the last thing I want. Yep. Um because, you know, I come off as a type A personality and very calm, but at the end of the day I I want somebody to argue with me. Not because I, you know, 10 minutes later I'll we're good. Mm-hmm. But I want them to okay if you're going to tell me this why and i'm going to argue because at the end of the day i'm not always right i might be like shit glass was right on that one um you know i just it it doesn't make a staff or a head coach better when everybody's a yes person on that. like you need to state your opinions and then respect whatever opinion you know the head coach is going with but i think to help the whole program out and to help the head coach I, and i think most head coaches would say the same thing i do don't you can't have too many yes men
0: nope well said Wall coach really appreciate you coming on man that was good conversation Thanks for having. Glad, me. glad we got it. glad glad Keith was able to to twist your arm to to give us a few minutes. So, um,
2: <laughs> well, my pleasure.
0: Yeah, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, looking forward to getting this one out onto the the interwebs for everybody to listen to in a couple of weeks. Um, so, thank you again, Keith. You got anything?
1: No. Thanks, Scott.
0: Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it's it's it. always so, great talking to you. <laughs> If if we don't talk, best of luck this swing this spring. Okay. Hope the Lakers uh, can find them find their way back to the the well, postseason. Make a little ruckus in there.
2: We're gonna be all right. We'll be good. 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 All
0: right. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Okay. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Maybe Scott. Let me know.
0: Thank you, everybody, for joining. Coach Coach Landers just went on with his evening. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and smash that thing, as as Coach Glasser would say. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at EMDBaseball. And if you want to learn more about what we do to help families, check out the new online academy, which is chock full of information, not only from us too, but a lot of the wonderful people that we've got a chance to work with and know throughout the baseball industry. Uh, Go ahead and check that out on EMDBaseball.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.